do you need an example of a CEO that embraces the techniques and habits for these fast-changing disruptive times? Well, tune in for this video or this podcast because today I'm interviewing Valérie Urbain, the CEO of Euroclear Bank, and she will share a choice that she had to make in her career and it wasn't choosing between her family life or her career. So tune in and find out what it was. I'm Muriel, CEO, mum and educator. I used to work really hard and sacrificed important things to me until I lost my motivation. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned and I found a way to reach great results while working less. Today, I'm obsessed with helping other leaders build meaningful lives. So each week, I'll be sharing inspiration to change your life and organization. This is Rebel Leader with a Heart. So welcome, Valerie. And maybe before we dive into the questions, could you please describe to us who you are and what your career path is? Yes, sure. So good morning, uh, everybody. Um, so basically, I was I'm Belgian. Um, I was born and raised in Africa until I was 16 years old. Then I came back in Belgium for my studies. I study uh, engineer commercial so in the Solvay Business School. And um, uh, I joined the a bank uh, after my graduation. Um, a commercial bank, an American commercial bank, and I had the chance uh, to go to uh, to the U.S. for to Chicago for for a bit of uh, six about six months, which was already quite an opening in terms of uh, you know financial international career. Um, then I spent about five years in this bank. Uh, the bank had gone through uh, rough times, and so the subsidiary in Belgium had been sold to a Spanish bank. So very quickly. Um, I've been confronted with a change of corporate culture, which was also quite an interesting uh, challenge, but also a corporate restructuring, which is something that you don't uh, learn in the, at universities. Um, after the five years that I uh, spent in this bank, where I did a number of jobs, including spending uh, two years in the dealing room, um, I moved into Euroclear. So I'm in Euroclear now for about um, 27 years. Uh, do I dare to say it? Um, but I must say that um, I, I've done many, many jobs in the Euroclear group uh, and um, spending about 10 years in, in, in commercial, but also five years at the head of the human resources uh, department. So quite a diverse um, set of, uh, of appointments, uh, which had, had led me to, to become the, the, the CEO of Euroclear Bank. Um, I, could not finish my description without saying that I'm so a mother of uh, two young adults now, uh, because that is definitely um, an essential part also of who I am. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And of course, now you're facing a lot of challenges as CEO, as a CEO, and you were already facing a lot of challenges, probably. So you must handle a lot of stress. My question is, how do you manage your energy? How do you manage your fears so that you can handle with all this stress better? Um, I think usually, I mean, aside from the coronavirus crisis, usually my I think I, I, I build my resilience with my inner circle, with really my family. I think um, 
I always said that I would never be where I am without having had my, my children. I think my, my, my children have really forced me to put things into perspective, uh, to indeed try to have a, a balance between work, uh, the work life and the, the private life. So uh, also to re-question myself, you know, I think the children, especially when you have teenagers, you have mirrors in front of you and uh, you are being faced with a direct feedback, which is very useful. So I feel that, as I said, I would never be where I am without my, my two kids. Um, so yes, my, my resilience, um, my, my um, stress management um, has always been really, you know, going back to my inner circle, beat my parents or beat my, my children. So that has always been very important. My friends as well. So I need. I am a, a social animal <laughs> to some extent. I also need to 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 see my friends and be able to talk a lot with them. So this is also something which I'm missing for the time being. Um, so that is one thing. The second thing is, um, you know, uh, I'm doing some sports. I mean, for many many until about five years ago, I was doing a lot of horse riding, which was a, a very nice with my daughter actually which was also a very nice way to be in nature, you know, touching uh, real things because the financial market is something very intangible and that was good for me also the connection with the animal. Now I'm doing a lot of Pilates and I must say during this, now that we are in confinement, I'm trying to do a half an hour uh, uh, Pilates uh, at 7.30 in the morning to, to prepare for the day. But still, I would say that uh, for the time being, I'm missing, uh, you know, a bit more... Uh, movements and uh, when I can I try to also do a uh, to walk around the, the the neighborhood but I mean in in usual times um, my my family and my my friends are the one who are allowing me to lower my stress yeah yeah great and so that leads me to the next question so many of the listeners are uh, leaders themselves and they're not all quite a CEO yet and some of them have are struggling to combine family life with their career. And even some of them have the feeling that they have to sacrifice one for the other, that they have to choose either their career or their family life. So what would you say to those people? I think it's, it's a terrible choice to, to, to make. I think um, every individual should try to find the, the balance that suits him or her. I don't think there is a there is a magic touch, and it's very personal, very individual. Um, but I believe that uh, making making this type of choice, work or family, is, is something which, at a certain point of time, you regret one way or another, and and then you start creating also negative feelings and regret. Um, the way I have done it, because I've been faced with this type of question all along, um, I have tried to delegate everything which was not essential. Um, I remember attending one day a conference and somebody said a sentence which I loved, which was, you need, you need to delegate everything but love. And, um, and that was so true because uh, I love my job, but I also love my family. So that I didn't want to give up. But for example, I didn't love, uh, do, you know, uh, doing the, uh, taking care of my, uh, of my house, uh, uh, making the kitchen, you know, uh, cooking. Uh, all these type of things I, I, I was not really fond of. So, I mean, yes, you have to delegate to find uh, help because uh, one thing also which is super important is that we are not superwoman or supermen and uh, we need also to recognize uh, the limits that we have and work with those limits. So I think um, 
there is no um, no trouble to from time to time also show your vulnerabilities and also talk about it with your family. I remember uh, having my children when they were maybe like six six and four or something like that. And um, I was in the moment of doubt and I mentioned to them that uh, maybe I could consider stopping working and both of them stared at me saying, what? It means that you will be all the time at home? No, we don't want that. You know, so it's it's just amazing to see also, you know, how you can also discuss about it with your family, with your husband, with your your kids and, and try to find um, arrangements which at the end of the day um, uh, suit everybody. But you can't be a superman or superwoman, and you need to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to give up a number of small things, but to really retain the things which are essential to you. Yeah. So you don't believe you have to sacrifice one for the other if you don't want to, of course. Yeah. No, exactly. On the other side, you, you know, I've always said to, to my kids um, uh, that I was always available to them whenever it was needed. And for example, my assistants, uh, whatever job I've done, knew that I always have two phone number, two for iPhone, one a professional one, one a private one. And when the private one rings and it is my children, I stop everything. So I, unless there is something. Okay. But I mean, they, they, you know, they have always had the, the, these um, uh, priorities whenever it was needed. At the same time, they also learned very early not to bother me with, uh, you know, details or whatsoever. So again, that's what I'm saying. It's a question of, sort of dialogue at home to, to fix some, uh, some rules um, and um, to remain available to them when they need it. Yeah. So dialogue at home, but also at work, of course. <laughs> Correct, at work as well. And I think it's important, again, every, in both cases to, to put the limits and to um, also for yourself and to, to realize also uh, and to make very explicit, yes, that there is a moment that uh, you had to, to go back home. And I remember at a certain point of time, I was in charge of an important uh, project and I, I, had, um, I had embraced it, but had said between six and nine o'clock, I will not be available. So I am happy to uh, start again at nine to, you know, review some documents, but from six to nine, uh, it's a time for my children. So, yeah, great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being an example. And talking about being an example, when we met last time, I arrived at your office and you were just sitting like the rest of the organization in the open space. So, and you told me that you gave up your CEO office. Why did you do that? Well, I did it for different reasons. Um, first of all, we, 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 we talk a lot about this uh, new way of working, digitalization, you know, you come with your laptop, you sit wherever you want, whatever. And uh, we are to some extent enforcing this type of new way of working on our, on our staff. And I felt that uh, I would only be credible in making them change their habit if I would also apply it to me. In addition, that I, I was also taking that as a, as a new learning experience for me. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, double reverse mentoring with also some new generation. Also having young children, uh, young adults at home, you know, that also forced me also to review a number of my, uh, you know, uh, pre-ideas, preconceived ideas. And um, yeah, I took it also as a learning uh, experience to say, okay, what it is to, to change this way of working and be a lot more agile and flexible or whatsoever. And with the tool that we have, um, I mean, it is becoming a lot easier. So that was one of the first reasons. The second one, I also reorganized uh, my team 
And, um, um, you know, some of my direct reports could not have either a closed office. So again, I felt that uh, why would I be privileged when others would not be? And, and I must say it has been a terrific experience because um, my direct reports, when I announced that uh, we were going to all sit around the table, looked at me like, um, okay, another crazy idea. And actually, after three months, they all said that they love it because we communicate, we communicate together a lot more. Uh, you know, and, and some of them are rather new in their jobs. So it was also a way for me to see, to listen to where they stand and to, to, to mentor them to some extent in their new role. So, yeah, it's on, it's only benefit. I, I love it. And, um, yes, we also have from time to time headsets that we can, you know, use to uh, uh, isolate ourselves from the noise. But again, even on that one, it was uh, quite interesting because some of our staff members are complaining about the inability for them to concentrate because of the noise. Now that I am on the floor, I realize what it means. So I, again, I can also be a lot more credible uh, when uh, I, um, I propose some, some new solutions in order to, uh, to help on the noise and, and, and the disturbances of being in open space. It's, uh, so it's very powerful. I like it a lot. And um, yeah, I think um, we, we need to also realize that we are unfortunately becoming the old generation. And uh, my, my role is to prepare also the company for the new one. And so, yes, I need also to accept that what I used to know as a people management practice or leadership practice is changing. I'm interrupting my own podcast to let you know that in the last years, I've helped many leaders build meaningful lives and organizations. And I've identified specific traits that characterizes each of them. Do you want to know which type of leader you are? Take our free two-minute quiz to find out. Go to rebelleaderwithaheart.com slash quiz or to the show notes of this episode to take it. You'll receive your leadership profile, seven personalized lessons and a roadmap to transform yourself, your team or organization. And remember, you are a leader of your life. You don't have to have a team to take this quiz. Now, let's go back to our episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nice. So last time you told me a nice story about a, a special task force that you created and they had to handle a crisis. And so the normal decision lines were shortened and they worked very hard, really, really hard, probably harder than other people in the organization, but they were very motivated. So can you tell me a little bit more about that and also what you learned about this? Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was indeed a, a long crisis because it's a, it's a crisis we, we needed to completely transform a part of the, uh, of the business. And um, it lasted over about two years and it was very difficult because, uh, you know, a lot of external stakeholders or internal stakeholders were really uh, questioning the value of that business. So it was uh, very, very uh, difficult for the people in that uh, team because they, they felt that they were really questioning their expertise and in, uh, their experience. And, um, and so, yes, uh, we, well, I, first of all, I brought in a, a new manager in that, uh, a new leader for, for, for the transformation. And um, we, we also decided to, to cut through the, uh, the decision making uh, because we felt that uh, we were asking a lot of work for our people and we didn't want them to have the feeling that they were being um, you know, slowed down by the, the, the normal governance process. So we put in place a 
very specific governance to make sure that the decision would be rightly made, but they would be done on a, on a weekly basis to give also a sense of um, progress for, for the teams. We also um, have been extremely transparent in the situation we were in. Uh, we are very transparent in what was at stake with the teams. And uh, we, we continue to have a very direct um, conversation or communication with, with all the people involved. And it's amazing how indeed uh, um, I've never seen so little absenteeism. I've never seen so little uh, burnout or whatsoever. Why the workload was, was, was impressive, you know. So I believe, I mean, what I learned from that, I think that um, when there is a very strong, strong sense of purpose and when you... Um, you also share with your teams uh, that you, how you feel about the, the challenge and that you are counting on them to, to meet the challenge, and that you really engage them to, to meet the challenge. Uh, it's amazing how the people uh, are adjusting. And to some extent, what I'm living now in coronavirus is the same. I mean, in, in, strangely, um, the, the level of absenteeism has, has declined quite a lot in the last three weeks. Um, because I think that there is a sense of purpose that the people want to go through this crisis, you know, positively. So I think when you manage to uh, to really engage people on a very clear objective um, and that you are part of it and you share your vulnerability, your fears, but also you show confidence in the team to meet the challenge, um, usually a team can make a wonder. Yeah, great. So I hear here... I heard several things. I hear sense of purpose, which is really important. And, and I agree with you because I know a lot of leaders out there have lost a little bit their sense of purpose. But I also heard transparency. You were very transparent, even about the challenges or what was at stake and short decision lines and empowerment. Yeah. Indeed, and, uh, and on the transparency, what was uh, also important at a certain point of time, you know, is to uh, make very clear to the teams that the situation we were in was the result of our, our own wrongdoings, you know, because um, initially, you know, it was very easy to say, oh, it's because the regulators, because of the, uh, you know, the clients. So, so there was always an, an external excuse. And I think it is only when we started to say, no, 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 actually, uh, all these people around are right. We have mis, you know, mis-evaluated the, I mean, the, the, the need to change. We have made the wrong decisions or whatever. So, no, the, the, the situation we are in is our, the, the result of our wrongdoings. That's it. So we need to fix it. You know? And that was, um, I think, quite power, that, that was a turning point where, you know, people were not looking anymore for excuses. Yeah. So we had to fix it. Yeah. And I also love it that you say we and we, and it was our wrongdoing because sometimes people can blame each other even inside an organization. So you you placed yourself as part of the yeah. problem and of the team and of the solution too, of course. Yeah, great. And and even even at that that during that crisis, we even at a certain point of time recognized that the management also had done a wrong evaluation of the situation. You know, so. But uh, yeah, being uh, also um, honest and transparent in those uh, circumstances usually pays off. Yeah, I also say that even when it's bad news, it's better yeah. to be transparent yeah. because people, they feel it even when you don't say it. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. 
So in this podcast, we have tea time where we share, where we teach, where we're empathic, where we inspire. But we also have happy hour where we are more rebels, where it's time for fun, maybe complaining a little bit for being crazy. And so I was wondering, what is your rebel side? And are there things that you like to do differently as a CEO, as a woman or as a mother? Well, you know, I always say to my team, um, we need to have fun. Uh, and I must say, we're spending so much time uh, in the office or working or whatever. Um, if we do not laugh uh, from time to time, it, it, it's, it, it is becoming, uh, I mean, terrible. So I must say with, with my teams, I, I have the, the luxury of having people with whom I'm working for many years, you know, so we have also a lot of uh, uh, proximity and um yeah, we, we do, I mean, my, my, my management committee meetings usually are moments where we are serious, but we can also laugh a lot. And, uh, you know, we, we nev I never, I, something which is extremely important for me, uh, I'm a CEO, that's fine, but I remain Valérie that I have always been, you know. And um, it's also important from time to time to have, uh, uh, to, 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 to be able to have um, uh, a humor, self-humor, you know, uh, and, and for example, we we had a number of, of uh, you know, we had a colleague recently, we, we left the team, we all dressed up um, in a certain way to, in order to, uh, I mean, to, to organize a party for him. Uh, you know, when uh, the, 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 the task force you were referring to, we, we find that we finished all the transformation um, and, it, and we, we run all the implementation of the new regulation we needed to run. And the new regulation is called CSDR. And uh, we had a party with all people involved, so a big party. We had about 150 people in, in, uh, in the place in, in Brussels. And um, I asked all my management committee to uh, sing a song, I mean, uh, to, uh, to, to prepare a song, which was YMCA changed into CSDR. And so not only uh, did we have a clip with all the management committee, you know, making the sign, the, CSDR, but in addition, during the party, we showed it. We showed it, and we asked the whole audience to uh, to sing it. It was a wonderful moment, you know. Remembering that, I mean, we we are doing things which are serious, but we should never take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, nice. That's uh, so important. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so thank you for this. I don't know if you would like to add something. For listeners, a uh, last uh, tip or a last insight or something you'd like to share? No, I think uh, you need to enjoy life and you need to enjoy the moment you spent in the office as well as uh, at home. I think uh, life is too short, so we need to, you need to know what is good for you and, uh, and, and to do it. And I, I don't like too much giving advices because at the end of the day, we are all dif different and we need to know what is good for ourselves. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope our listeners did too. I really enjoyed uh, your human side and also the fact that you're very humble. These are traits that I like uh, in a leader and that I believe that we should all have if we want to be better prepared for the disruptive times where we have to move faster and trust the people more and empower the people more. Yeah. Thank you very much, Muriel. I also enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for, for that podcast too. And um, I wish you all, all the best in those difficult, difficult times. Thank you. <laughs>
So this was a great interview. Lead by example, choose what gives you energy, stay humble, acknowledge your mistakes, don't take yourself too seriously and have fun. I wish all CEOs were like Valerie, don't you? Now, I hope you enjoyed this video. In our next episode, I'll talk about how you can manage your mindset because every transformation starts with a new mindset. Bye! Yeah, you finished another episode of Rebel Leader with a Heart. If you want more, go to rebelleaderwithaheart.com for show notes and past episodes. If you love the show, subscribe, leave a review and share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week, you rebel leader with a heart. Hello there. How adapted are you to the fast and busy times? Before diving into this subject, let me ask you a question. Do you see yourself working like this until you retire? If yes, congrats, you probably find a way to thrive in today's fast and busy times. But if your answer is no, don't worry. Because this five-minute quiz on how adapted are you to the fast and busy times might help you. Because if you're still working with the slower time habits and mindset, you might end up working really hard for too little impact. This quiz will show you how adapted you are to today's crazy fast times and it'll give you your score on the five principles you need to master to better navigate your heavy workload while still having a life. So go to keyleader.com slash fast times to start the quiz. Maybe it's time to kickstart your slower and more impactful life. keyleader.com slash fast times qileader.com slash fast times now let's dive into today's podcast episode